sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to hour number two, the morning after, live right here on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, channel 159. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Spiz Grizz Network. That's Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Ton to get to here in hour number two. The pro football doc, Dr. David Chow, will join us next for some injury analysis around the NFL. We preview Monday Night Football with FanDuel's Tom Vecchio and odds and advice from across the sports landscape with our advisor, the sportsbook conciliary, Dave Sherapan. Thank you for joining us here in hour number two, but there's a ton to get to, so let's dive right in. Major League Baseball, the postseason is off and running in what a wild card weekend it was. Four series, but only one of them goes to the decisive game number three, but all of them were great. The Mariners and the Phillies pulling off road upsets in two games. In Toronto and in St. Louis and in two games between Cleveland and Tampa Bay, the Guardians the only team to hold serve in their own home ballpark, but great games, both decided by a single run. And the clincher for Cleveland, 15 innings against the Tampa Bay Rays. But last night, a winner-take-all, game number three, in the wild card series between the New York Mets, a team that won 101 games, the second most in franchise history this season against the San Diego Padres. But it was the Southern California native in Joe Musgrove for San Diego that pitched an absolute playoff gem, one that he will remember and that Padres fans will remember for quite some time. Seven innings of work, only one hit allowed against the New York Mets as the Padres blanked the Amazing 6-0 to advance to the National League Divisional Series against the LA Dodgers. Joe Musgrove yesterday going over his strikeout prop of four and a half, finishing with five. Chris Bassett, not the best performance, bounced early last night against the Padres, not a strikeout pitcher by any means, and falling under that K prop of four and a half. Because of the quick hooks, we saw a ton of strikeout prop unders in this wild card weekend but again a performance that will be remembered in san diego for quite some time from joe musgrove a performance so good that buck showalter the manager of the new york mets had to check to make sure everything was above board a weird feeling there in the game when a check of joe musgrove included checking his ears the head umpire rubbing joe musgrove's ears on the mound Yesterday, as Buck Showalter was checking for any foreign substances, it fired Joe Musgrove up. He looked over to the Mets dugout multiple times, and he was sensational. Seven innings of shutout baseball, only allowing one hit against the Mets. Here is the very difficult thing about Major League Baseball. The New York Mets had a sensational season, 101 wins, but two bad weekends back-to-back. And the Mets cannot clinch the NL East last weekend in Atlanta getting swept and losing here in three games against the San Diego Padres in the wildcard series. Their year now comes to a close. So the Padres take on a very familiar foe in the NLDS as the Dodgers await. 
The Dodgers won 14 of the 19 in the regular season series against San Diego. And as you can see, a very heavy favorite to win here now in the postseason. The best of five in the divisional series. The Braves, a minus 186 favorite against another divisional foe in the Philadelphia Phillies elsewhere in the National League. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after, live all across the grid, Sirius XM Channel 159, and all of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. What a weekend it was in wild card action in Major League Baseball to kick off October baseball in the playoffs in MLB. The Padres winning in winner-take-all game three fashion last night on the road in City Field. San Diego now takes on LA in the NLDS. And in the other series, it will be the Braves against the Phillies. Both higher seeds, the Dodgers the one seed, the Braves the two seed, substantially favored. It will be another divisional opponent matchup in the ALDS between the Houston Astros and the Seattle Mariners. Houston a pretty heavy favorite in that one, minus 225. The Yankees will take on the Guardians in the other ALDS. New York a minus 220 favorite in that season series between the Astros and the Mariners. Houston won 12 of the 19. An updated AP poll in college football following week number six as well. A new team at the top once again because Alabama struggled, had to go down to the final play at home against Texas A&M. Georgia now number one. Alabama slides all the way to number three. Ohio State now number two in the country. Big wins for Tennessee. They're now number six. UCLA beats Utah in a huge Pac-12 game. They are now number 11. Illinois into the top 25 for the first time in more than a decade since 2011. Checking in at number 24. And at 25th, James Madison. Their first year in FBS play. They are a perfect 5-0, both straight up and against the spread, which sets up week seven. Is it Saturday already? Six top 25 ranked versus ranked matchups this upcoming Saturday slate in college football. Number three, Alabama, a seven and a half point road favorite on Rocky Top against number six, Tennessee. Penn State, now ranked 10th in the country, travels to Ann Arbor. Michigan, number five, a seven point home favorite. A huge matchup that could decide the Big 12. Oklahoma State on the road against TCU. The Horned Frogs, a three and a half point favorite. USC and Utah in Salt Lake. My Syracuse Orange, a four and a half point home favorite against NC State. And don't forget about Mississippi State and Kentucky as well. Plenty more on the morning app up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here live on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. Thank you for joining us here all across the Sports Grid Network. Live on this Monday to start off a new week, I am Ben Stevens. So as we continue to go around the National Football League, recapping the Sunday slate, setting up the final game of week number five. Tonight on a Monday, under the lights in prime time in Kansas City between the Chiefs and the Raiders, let's look at some continuing storylines from yesterday's action in the National Football League. Yesterday in New York, 
The Jets, a three-and-a-half-point home underdog, taking on the Miami Dolphins. Now, we already knew that Tua Tungabailoa was not going to play in that game. Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Bridgewater getting the start for the Finns. And Teddy Bridgewater against the spread in his career as a starter in the NFL, something like 42-20-1 ATS. Yet, Teddy Bridgewater didn't see a ton of action yesterday for Miami. Knocked out of the game in the opening drive for the Dolphins. He was put into concussion protocol. He passed the concussion tests and evaluations yesterday, but was kept out of the game because the independent neurologist, the spotter from the top of the booth, noticed Teddy Bridgewater stumble as he got up from a big hit levied by Sauce Gardner of the New York Jets on that opening drive. And because of it, we have seen some updated new protocols in the NFL as it surrounds the concussion evaluations. And Teddy Bridgewater was kept out of the game because of some of those no-go symptoms that were identified by the independent spotter. So Teddy Bridgewater out of the game. Skylar Thompson, his first NFL action, the rookie out of K-State, and it resulted in a New York victory, 40-17. to Gang Green winning outright as a three-and-a-half-point underdog. We welcome now onto the show the pro football doc himself, Dr. David Chow. Dr. Chow, thank you for joining us here on this Monday, live on the morning after. I was reviewing some of what we saw yesterday at MetLife with Teddy Bridgewater and those updated protocols that, based on the no-go symptoms, he was kept out of the game despite passing his concussion tests in that evaluation what was your reaction to what you saw yesterday at metlife stadium <clears throat> probably three big things number one how about that irony the Tua situation with the dolphins starts all this stuff and now teddy bridgewater his replacement where Tua was ruled out very early week on monday which was unusual because of all the attention gets ruled out Apparently, the spotter in the sky saw some ataxia or motor deficit. We did not see it on TV. The spotter gets, you know, the binoculars the whole time, and that is enough to rule him out. But in terms of the second point, in my opinion, that was always enough to rule somebody out. You had to find a reason where the neuro neurologic symptoms didn't relate to concussion, and that's what they find found with Tua. But if you really believe in when in doubt, leave them out. That was always the case. Now, fast forward. Tua, if you believe he had two concussions within four days, is probably out more weeks the rest of this month, maybe. Teddy Bridgewater, if he was ruled out with concussion, no concussion player since the Tua controversy has come back in one week. Prior to that, about half of players came back in one week. I'm not sure what they're gonna do with Teddy. But it's likely Skylar Thompson, again, if this new attention to this new protocol is adhered to. And what UNC wants to get called out publicly or nationally. So, Dr. Chow, we have some of these updated new protocols in the NFL. There's been a lot going around surrounding this concussion protocol in the National Football League. How would you best try to describe what the new additions are for the rest of this NFL season? I don't know that there's really any true additions if you look at the language. I think it's a reinforcement of when in doubt, leave them out. In other words, if you see a visual sign, you cannot write it off to another cause. We've seen it before in the past. You know, Michael Vick, dirt in the eye, Cam Newton went down because of an ankle. And I'm not saying none, any of those were wrong or not true, but 
what the league is saying now in conjunction with the PA is you can't just buy that excuse. You have to err on the side of more caution, although it's not really stated in the protocol. I think the easiest thing that for the protocol for them to change instead of leaving it up to the head team position, it used to be the up to the UNC for the final say, go, no, go. Then it's up to the head team position, final say, no, go or go. Why don't you just say it has to be unanimous? That way it's just simpler. Really good context there and a great explanation of what has been a huge storyline, not just for the Miami Dolphins, but all around the National Football League early on here in 2022. Dr. Chow, right now, Cooper Rush, a perfect 4-0 straight up and 4-0 against the spread in starts for the Cowboys this year. A perfect 5-0 dating back to the start of last season in the five starts that he has made for the Cowboys. But it's a huge game for Dallas after a victory on the road in Los Angeles yesterday, this upcoming Sunday, Sunday night in Philadelphia against the Eagles. And there have been some reports that Dak Prescott might be on his way back. What would be your biggest concern, Dr. Chow, with that thumb injury for Dak Prescott on if he is truly ready to go in the game this upcoming Sunday against Philadelphia? There are several levels levels of concern. The first one is can he grip and throw accurately and spin the ball? That, he has not been able to do that. He might be able to do that this week. The second thing is, can you follow through confidently and not worry about hands, arms, or helmets and then continue to play with stuff around you? Number three, do you have ball security? Can you afford strip sack fumbles and someone stripping, punching at the ball when you are sacked? And number four, what risk are the Cowboys willing to take for a refracture, which is higher now this week than next week. Now, people would say, why bother? Cooper Rush has been winning and he's fine. But look at what's happening. He's throwing fewer passes. They're winning in the 20s. They're winning with the team game in the defense. Now, when they play the Eagles, will they be able to win in the 20s? Or does this, this need to get to the 30s? That's a question mark in, you know, two-minute drills and what have you. That's what the Cowboys will have to contend with this week. Cooper Rush has been doing the right things, but he was just 10 of 16, as Dr. Chow is referencing, for only 102 yards yesterday. They didn't win because of Cooper Rush. That defense, though, however, very, very good in applying a ton of pressure to Matthew Stafford. Or I'd say they won with the the defense – but also the Rams' poor offensive line. Right guard number three, center number three, left guard left with concussion again. Never got a replacement from Andrew Whitworth. And Mika Parsons, even with some groin tightness, wreaked havoc as well as Demarcus Lawrence. That's where the game was won and lost, not with Cooper Rush. Absolutely so. So, Dr. Chow, one of the stories around the NFL The lackluster start for Russell Wilson in Denver and the Broncos overall. We got reports entering this weekend that Russ has been playing with a partially torn lat since week four against the Raiders. Would this explain the bad play we have seen out of Russell Wilson and the Broncos? Well, you know, use the eyeball test. Were those two picks due to a bad lat or decision making? It's up to you to decide (laughs) or the viewer. But if you go to Sports Injury Central or the YouTube channel, you'll see a video and a story that we talked about. What does Russell Wilson last strain and flying to L.A. for a PRP injection mean? First of all, there's plenty of PRP in the Denver area. So it was curious that he had to fly for an injection, not surgery. But here's the thing. This is a week four injury 
where he played poorly in week five on Thursday, and he gets a PRP injection this Friday, Saturday, or this weekend. PRP takes time to work. If you believe the lat is what makes him play poorly, do not expect a turnaround in week six. It takes time to kick in. Not only the PRP, but a lat strain. So if you're going to blame the lat strain, you should be off the Broncos or Russell Wilson this week for sure. There's not a magic turnaround. And uh, is it too early to have flex scheduling? I think the Broncos are scheduled to play Monday night. It's a great point, Dr. Chow. The Broncos back in primetime next week in Los Angeles against the Chargers as a six-point underdog. Dr. David Chow, thank you as always. More of the morning after is up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, channel 159. Thank you for joining us and welcome back to TMA. On this Monday, we look forward to Monday Night Football and that prop perspective for a big game tonight, a divisional showdown in Kansas City between the Chiefs and the Raiders. Joining us for that prop perspective, it is the home run prop king in the postseason. It is our Monday Night Football prop king as well, Tom Vecchio from FanDuel. Tom, thank you for taking the time to join us here on this Monday. Your schedule about to get a lot busier. Not only are you the home run prop king, you are a jack of all trades. So football in action. October baseball continues. The NBA starts next season and the debut next week, I should say the debut of the NHL is tomorrow. Tom Vecchio, so many prompts to dive into here on TMA. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is this is the most exciting time of the year. We're gonna have three, four sports overlapping. Uh, it's good, you know a lot of props out there, a lot of action, a lot of things to break down. So let's get to it. I believe next Thursday is that sports equinox when all four major American sport leagues play on the same day. What a fun day that will be! All right, Monday night football tonight though between KC and Las Vegas inside arrowhead and tom as we look at the line overall to learn what it might teach us about the prop market the chiefs a seven and a half point favorite against a team they know well in the raiders with a total of 51 and a half and despite the fact vecchio that 11 of 15 primetime games this year have hit the under this is a large total a high over under leads you to what thought about the prop market well, initially, the high over-under would lead me to overs on some props. I, I think, you know, we have to take into context what we've seen from some of these primetime games. Uh, you know, the last last night, I was on a lot of unders. I was live betting unders. Thursday night was obviously a very rough game to watch. But I think we have to take, like, Thursday night's game. We have to look at that a lot differently compared to this one. Thursday night's game were, was two new quarterbacks on – or, you know, two quarterbacks on new teams – and this is a game where we have two offenses that are pretty familiar with one another, two offenses that have been working yep. in the same system. We do have a new head coach with the Raiders. So we have to take that with a bit of grain of salt, but we do have some of the same offensive pieces for the Raiders. So, you know, we have to take all this into consideration. The 51 and a half over under would lead me to some overs. I think the Raiders should be in a positive passing game script. I think everyone's going to be expecting them to be trailing in this game. So overs yep. for them, overs for the Chiefs, just because it's the Chiefs. What else is new for their offense? 
A little bit of movement on this Monday morning. The hook now taken off. It's a flat seven as it stands on that key number of a touchdown in favor of KC, but that over-under still at 51 in a hook. You mentioned Patrick Mahomes. His passing yards prop tonight, 275 and a half, Tom Vecchio, a number he has not gone over since week number one in the desert against the Arizona Cardinals. What is your approach to Patrick Mahomes on this Monday evening against Las Vegas? Uh, that would be to take the over. Like you said, he hasn't gone over this mark since week one. He's averaging 276 yards on the season. Uh, if we look a little bit further, we see that the Raiders are in the bottom 10 for the most passing yards allowed this year. Against the Raiders specifically in his career, he has torched them every single time, averaging 318 yards per game over his career. Uh, we look to some of the other stats. He's averaging 7.6 yards per attempt, uh, which is below his career average. He's also averaging below his career average of 300 yards per game. So expecting a little bit of positive regression for Mahomes. Their offense is still moving. I know a lot of people were talking about uh, removal of Tyree Kill from their offense, but they're still putting yeah. up plenty of points, plenty of yards, and this is a defense that doesn't really matter who's there, who's the head coach, who's the DC for the Raiders. He has torched them time and time again. So he's been under since week one, but this is the time he's going to be back over 275 and a half yards. Familiar foes for sure, but it has been a one-sided relationship so far for the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes as their signal caller and Tom Vecchio, a market mover. 275 and a half was the overnight number on Mahomes. When I last checked, it's already up to 279 and a half for his passing yards prop ahead of Monday night football. And part of that conversation, Tom, was about the wide receiver room in Kansas City. No Tyreek Hill, yes. Travis Kelsey was still there, but how would Patrick Mahomes fare with a different group of receivers this year? So far, so good. How do you, though, find value in this wide receiver room each and every week with the Kansas City Chiefs? It's certainly tough because we haven't seen, you know, huge breakout games from Juju or uh, MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Like, we haven't seen amazing games from them. They're seemingly getting it done where a little bit of production from one, a little bit of production from the other. Kelsey is super consistent. You get the running backs involved. So it's tough to find value on any of those receivers. I was big on Juju in the first few weeks just because I thought they were going to get him, you know, involved in the offense, kind of cement him as that uh, you know, replacement for Tyree Kills, seeing uh, the lion's share of some of the targets outside of Kelsey, that really hasn't come to fruition yet. So until we find some level of consistency, it's kind of a toss-up of who's going to be that option, uh, you know, whose weed is it going to be between Juju, is going to be, you know, one or two long catches right. for MVS, as he's been known to do. So I kind of tend to stay away outside of Kelsey uh, and outside some of the running backs. It's a really good point as well, because who is that guy going to be? There is going to be somebody that has a good game that goes over the receiving yards prop, but will it be Juju Smith-Schuster tonight? Will it be MBS? Might we see more of Miko Hardman? All of those discussions. We know Travis Kelsey is pretty reliable as of right now. But on the other side for Las Vegas, Tom, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. It was the reunion of the former Fresno State teammates. Really good friends, but how have you evaluated Devontae Adams so far in Vegas? What have you made of his numbers so far this season? Uh, his numbers have been good to start the season. You know, the over-under being so high, you would initially lean towards the over. You know, six and a half receptions with that much juice on the over, it's not a spot that I want to be going. I'd rather right. take the yards at that spot just because you know, yards are, yard uh, yard totals are easy to get to than receptions. Like, he could have 50 or 60 yards on one catch. He can't have three catches on one catch. I know it sounds kind of stupid right. to say, but he can theoretically get, in the yards total, 
over in one catch. So I lean towards yards rather than receptions, as long as it's a good number. Uh, we know that the target should be there for Devontae Adams. So I like the over-under in this game. It's pretty tight of where I'd be leaning. Initially, I think I would lean towards the under and maybe live bet it if it changes, uh, if there's no scoring. But Devontae Adams over yards before receptions. I think it's a really good look as well because the volume is there to go receptions over. That juice is way too substantial. But Devontae Adams has been targeted 47 times in the first four games by Derek Carr. Even week number two when they only had two grabs, he was targeted seven times. So, of course, Derek Carr trying to get the ball to Devontae Adams so far during their time together in Las Vegas. Tom, you mentioned some of the running backs in this game, and maybe not on the ground, but they're receiving yards props. How are you targeting that area tonight for Monday Night Football? I love both the running backs tonight. That would be Josh Jacobs over 18.5 receiving yards for the Raiders and over 17.5 receiving yards for CEH for the Chiefs. And it's kind of the same situation. Both teams are in the bottom 10 of the league for the most receiving yards allowed to running backs this season. Actually, the Chiefs have allowed 277 receiving yards to running backs, which is tied for the second worst in the league. Other teams have played five games. The Chiefs have yet to play their fifth games, yet the Chiefs are still the second-worst team. The Raiders are the 10th-worst team. So these are two defenses that are giving up a lot of yards to running backs. I think Josh Jacobs, you know, playing on so many snaps, it's at 73% this year, running around on 50% of the dropbacks. He only has a 9.6% market share just because they spread the ball around a lot. But if the Raiders are on a positive passing game trip, as the spread would indicate, they should be playing from behind. They shouldn't be running the ball too much. They should be passing it. Right. We know that the Chiefs can get some sacks on the board. So if there's some pressure to call, those easy drop downs will be there for Jacobs, you know, over 18 and a half. And then for CEH, he's averaging nearly 30 receiving yards per game. And this is strictly due to the fact that the Chiefs have just such a good offense. He's averaging, you know, 4.5 targets per game. So two defenses that allow a lot of yards to running backs specifically, I think also correlates well with the over. It's a really good look because when you have those points available tonight, again, 51 and a half, this game could go under, but there's an expectation we will see some offense and that seven-point spread, Tom, I think you bring up a really good idea there for Las Vegas. They should be in a negative game script, but a positive passing script if they are in that trailing position for a good majority of this game. The passing attempts prop for Derek Carr is 37 and a half. It's a little bit higher than I would like, but it was an area I was looking as well. Again, a jack-of-all-trades. It's not just Monday Night Football for Tom Vecchio. The divisional series in Major League Baseball in the postseason start tomorrow. And Tom, throughout Wild Card Weekend, in very exciting games, we saw those K props with starting pitchers now in the postseason. A quicker hook, or at least were a little bit more clued in to those K props. What did you make of Wild Card Weekend? Was there anything you learned from a prop betting handicapping perspective you'll take into the DSs around the league? Uh, I, I think that, let's see, I was on the Mariners for the series, so that actually turned out well. I think that looking right. for total base props for as much plus money as you can find is the way to go. You know, these hitters are going to be inconsistent. Where some, The best hitters are going to go 0 for 3 as they do in, you know, any given slate. But I'm going to be looking for consistent contact hitters, again, with low strikeout rates, as much plus money as you can find for over one and a half total bases, whatever it is. I think sticking with something simple like that, you know, getting these singles and doubles on the board for the teams rather than swing the fences with the home run is the spot that I'll go. I'll also say moving forward, I think looking to try and nail down some exact series scores, you know, 3-1, 3-2, whatever it might be for this series, uh, for this round is what I'm going to be looking to do. 
That's a lot of plus money in those areas for the series correct score. And it's still best of five, so limited windows in that as well. FanDuel's Tom Vecchio. A busy time of the year here in October. A great Monday night football slate for us. And a great card to pay attention to. Playoff baseball, NHL, NBA, all of that coming with Tom Vecchio. Tom, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it as always here on the morning after. Thanks for having me. Next up, our sportsbook conciliary odds and advice around the sports landscape looking back on the Sunday slate in the NFL Monday night football he loves talking college football as well and some playoff baseball with Sharapan up next on the morning app sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Our sportsbook conciliary, Dave Sharapan, now in the fold, live with us here on this Monday on the morning after on SportsGrid. The odds and advice in a busy time in the sports calendar. As you will see on Dave Sharapan's noggin, it's a San Diego Padres lid. San Diego on to the NLDS where they get the Dodgers who won 14 of 19 games against San Diego this year. The divisional series Start tomorrow in Major League Baseball postseason action. We have a Monday night football game to cap off week number five of this NFL regular season. A huge week seven slate in college football. The NHL starts tomorrow. NBA action next week. Dave Sharapan, so much advice to give out. We are glad to have you here on this Monday morning. Yeah, it's exhausting just uh, just thinking about that. You didn't even mention the, the college football slate on Saturday and, and what could be happening um up in michigan we'll get to uh, it we'll get to it with that game and let alone alabama may tennessee Ah, i can't keep track of it all just want to make sure that all the mets fans are okay i believe yesterday was the first day that the new york football teams the jets and the giants won back-to-back weeks since 2013 so i know a lot of people both there and um around the country New York fans were very excited about all of that, but the Mets fans, there will be no more Timmy Trumpet, no more horns, no more anything, uh, as the Padres one hit them. Benjamin, one hit. All we got is one hit, and that was I, it. I don't good season. I don't I, Yeah. I don't think, Sherapan, when you're down four nothing in the eighth inning, when you have to send your closer in there that you can play Timmy Trumpets. I don't think that was the right move for the New York Mets, who ultimately end up with a 6 nothing deficit. But that is the tough thing about Major League Baseball. A wonderful year for the Amazons. 101 wins, but two bad weekends. And in the 162 grind and October yeah. following... It can be that quick, Dave Sharapan. Let's start with postseason baseball then, and we'll get Mm -hmm. to the NFL after and some college football talk to round out this segment. What did you make of the odds and the market and the attention this weekend from that public betting handle in what was a great wild card weekend in MLB? Great wild card weekend. Um, There's a a World Series exacta bet 
uh, on FanDuel that I've been trying to keep mm-hmm. track of and kind of price out myself. And before the playoffs started, like the dogs were vastly, I thought, mispriced. Um, yeah. I thought the Phillies, you know, could beat the Cardinals and would. Um, the Padres were definitely live against the Mets. They won. The Guardians, the Guardians scored two runs and one run in 24 innings of baseball and won both games. You can't even make that up. It doesn't even make sense. Three runs total in 24 innings and won both games. Crazy. And then the Mariners come back against the the Blue Jays. I don't know exactly what happened. I can't explain that. That's just baseball, bro. Um, Now you look at the series prices, you know, for the ALDS, and wow, um, I know that both, you know, top seeds are favorites. They both seem a little bit high, but they're high because they're probably going to win game one. That's the aces day for the two teams, the Astros and the Yankees. So you got to get in advance. You got to get ahead of it, and you put them a little bit high. Um, but then games two, three, and four should set up with the other teams one, two, and three starters. It's yep. a five-game series. I don't know if I'd be making these prices this high to start because I think some bad guys may be coming in on both, you know, Seattle and Cleveland in, in, in the American League. Minus two twenty five and two twenty. This is the price after I think both teams win game one. What if <laughs> what if the the uh the Mariners or the Guardians win game one? Where do you go from there? Do you go to a pick'em series? So it's fascinating. I love I love the postseason baseball. Absolutely love it. Along with hockey, it's the best, I think, quality product, sporting event, whatever you want to call it. And pricing these series prices are great because the pitchers aren't even determined yet. You have a couple TBDs. We don't even know who's going in these series. We see tons of market fluctuation throughout series prices in every postseason. It will be very interesting to see if the Yankees win tomorrow in the opening game of their series against the Guardians. Garrett Cole gets the start for the pinstripes. Still need to determine the starter for the Guardians. The Yankees are a minus 230 favorite to win that baseball game outright. Does that move the number Mm. in the series price? That'll be something to pay attention to and well explained right there from our conciliary Dave Sherapin. Let's go back to the NFL. Week number five. Yesterday, Dave, in Los Angeles, the Rams looking to get above 500. They were a five and a half point favorite at home against the Cowboys. Cooper Rush and the boys come in. They win their fourth straight game. The fifth straight with Cooper Rush starting since last season. But the focus here is on LA and that idea of the Super Bowl hangover. But how do you put that into numbers? Dave, my question for you is this. Do you think the odds are still a little bit hung up on last year for the Rams, and maybe not properly evaluating this year's team in Los Angeles? I don't know if the if the numbers are off so much for the Rams, they are a little bit, but you know, they're still really off for the Cowboys. The the Mm. Cowboys defense is super legit. Like the kids say like that. Well, they don't say super legit. They just say legit. I say super legit because um, they were dogs. They were a public dog though. Yesterday, rightly so. Um, I was in the book and there was cheering Usually, 
for the Rams games here in Vegas, you can hear a lot of cheering on the Rams doing anything. But they played the brand that is the Cowboys yesterday, and there was so much like public support behind it. And uh, I can't say it was wrong. You just can't get the numbers right. When a backup quarterback comes in like Cooper rushes and is not only maintaining, he's winning games. Where on the other side of it, you have the Super Bowl champion. And yes, it, it it's it's off. The power ratings and stuff is they're off on the Rams. But it's really off on the Cowboys. And you get a uh, a confluence of events yesterday like that. Big words. That's for the Syracuse people. Um I can't believe that like look at next week already. The Rams are minus ten. Minus ten against Carolina. Yeah, well. Do you want to lay 10 points with that team, that offense? Yeah. Yeah, I do, because Matt Rule's going to be fired here pretty soon. And if a team scores this 17 week, points maybe. against Carolina, they are 1-27 under Matt Rule. They have lost 25 straight games. When a team scores 17 points, the Chicago Bears scored 22 points yesterday. That's not a high barometer in the NFL. Sorry for the Bears slander. I didn't mean it. But right now, Dave, the Dallas Cowboys, 4-1. Maybe the market needs to catch could a similar yeah. thought be had for the New York football giants? Also oh four in one. Dave, how does the market evaluate a team in the giants that was expected to be this good this early on this year as they try to keep pace with where the giants might actually be this season? There were a lot of rhombuses and parallelograms on the giant season wins over before the season, Ben. And, um, Nobody really believed it. They were all discounted like, yeah, come on. It's the Giants. It's, it's Daniel Jones. It's this, it's that. It's a football team with a football coach. Real stuff. Um, yep. That being said, the big dogs going into this weekend. They're dogs every week. Four and a half, five and a half, five. It's all over the place. Baltimore's mm -hmm. coming to town. Um I, that was a the, the London game is so different when, when the not as many people see that game, so we'll see the real adjustment come this week. I think on that, where uh, I I mean, the Giants have to be considered right now a legit contender to win that division. As good as yeah. the Cowboys have been, and as good as the Eagles are, the Giants are right there. How did this happen? The NFC East went from. A, a joke of a division to dare I say the best division in football can we say that I today I don't know I think I you guess could. we could I could I think you could I did right now you did. have a 5-0 and Philadelphia team a 4-1 and Dallas team a 4-1 and New York Giants team the commanders aren't very good but those three teams at the top are 11-3 and outside of the division holding serve outside of playing their own divisional rivals i don't think it's a stretch to say the nfc east is the best overall division right now in football how will it look the rest of the way quickly here share one final question about the nfl the giants have won outright in all three of their games booked as an underdog an eight point dog yesterday in london the new york jets also yeah. above 500 they have been booked as a dog in all five games they have won outright in three of them what does it look like in the risk room when an underdog doesn't just cover a number but wins outright? Uh, it can usually mean a lot of good things. Um, it can also mean a lot of bad things. When, it, when a dog, like last night, 
the Bengals lose but cover. That's the best-case mm-hmm. scenario most of the time because you don't have yep. to pay out the money line. The Jets get the money line, money, and the over money. The Jets keep winning football games. My timeline keeps blowing up on the Twitter because the Jets fans are all coming out. I mean, they're excited. It's the first time I've had a winning record like this early in the season in decades. Not not a years. I mean, we're talking decades. So I'm happy for all the Jets fans. I really am. Mm. Um, they did beat the Steelers two weeks ago, and I'm still hearing about it. They beat the Dolphins. Okay. Now they're going to go to Green Bay, and, and their dog's there. So congratulations yep, to the Jets fans. Um it's not that big of a deal yet. They're still in Buffalo's division. But, hey, maybe they'll finish second in the division. Not going to the playoffs. Everybody relax. They're not going to the playoffs. The Bills a minus 600 favorite in the AFC East. Yes. But the New England Patriots right. getting a win with Bailey Zappi yesterday. And the Jets, of course, yeah. beating a divisional opponent in the Dolphins yesterday at home. <laughs> Week number seven of college football, Dave Sherapan is going to be incredible. There are six yep. top 25 versus top 25 team matchups across the docket, oh including your alma mater, 10th-ranked Penn State, on the road in the big house against number five, Michigan. The Wolverines, a seven-point favorite. Sherapan, only a minute left here. Can the Nittany yep. Lions go on the road to Ann Arbor and pull off an upset? I'm so excited. My voice is already cracking on a Monday. <laughs> Of course they can. Of course they can. This is going to be – this is surprising to me that this line came this high. I really mm. – um, and, again, I, I, I put on the glasses. I, I, I sometimes see things yep. or miss things when it comes to Penn State. But they got to be close. Like, this this game has to be close. Michigan, Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't mention, uh, you know, the Big Ten this past weekend and, and – how many points were scored in that Iowa game? Seriously. Do you remember? 15 it, in total. Was it it all was nine field to six. Goals? We were on the under the entire way. Nine to six. You bet the under when it's Iowa and Illinois. That's just what <laughs> happens. More TMA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Monday Night Football. To round out our two hours together here, live on the morning after on this Monday on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159. It's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Sports Grid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for starting off this new week with us here on the morning after. It ends out, though, week number five in Arrowhead tonight in Kansas City between the Chiefs and the Raiders in AFC West Divisional Matchup. In a game that we expect a lot of points and a lot of offense, 51 and a half is that over-under tonight. That might seem lofty because this will be the 16th primetime game in the National Football League so far this season. The previous 15, 11 of those 15 hitting an under, but points still expected. Offense expected. That's where we go before we say farewell and before we say goodbye. It's time for a Monday Night Football best bet. It's time for bye-bye-bye. 
There's an area in the prop market that I'd like to look at the last couple of weeks. Thursday night, even in an atrocious offensive game between the Colts and the Broncos, we gave you Russell Wilson's longest pass over 34 and a half. It's the same kind of idea tonight for Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. His longest pass prop tonight is 36 and a half. It's a number he's only, only gone over in half of the games for KC this year. But the two unders, 36 last week. 35 in week number two his passing yards prop tonight is 275 and a half he's gone under that in three straight games but again the total is 51 and a half tonight we expect offense in the Raiders passing defense not very good the 11th worst pass per completion margin so far in the NFL at nearly 11 yards per completion meaning their secondary is more vulnerable to the big play Patrick Mahomes over 36 and a half for his longest pass tonight. The morning after, each and every weekday, live right here on Sports Grid, starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm Stevens. Enjoy Monday Night Football. We'll talk tomorrow on a Tuesday.